Hi, Jim. Hey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really look forward to speaking with you about a lot of things that have transpired for you in the last year, and I'm assuming up before that year too, but really a lot has changed, I would imagine, in this last year that I'd love for you to share okay. a little bit more about. Okay. You have a background as? I'm a neuropsychologist. Can you tell me how you got into that field? Um, <laughs> yes and no. Um, so... All of my life has been, there's been a hand on the tiller. It's not mine. Okay. And so um, when I uh, went to college, I intended to be a civil engineer. I got into civil engineering and decided it would bore the shit out of me. And so then I changed from there of all places to biblical languages. So my undergraduate degree is in biblical languages, which is about... Um, finding the words from a Christian point of view to, to negotiate your relationship with God. Um, pretty small, but interesting. Um, at the end of it, I intended to, you know, teach or be a pastor, and I'm not the kind of person to be a pastor. <laughs> Why is that? Because I asked too many questions, <laughs> and I don't like to have specific answers, and so it was clear that I would be in trouble. Uh, and so I was going to teach, and uh, uh, in my um, heading into my senior year, I uh, had a discussion with the history professor because I was going to need a, a history minor, and I decided after that discussion, ain't no way in hell I'm going to do that. And so I uh, took a whole minor in psychology in my senior year. They loved me in the psychology department, gave me a free ride for a master's degree, and been moving in that direction. When I was uh, out of my master's degree, my first job was at uh, the VA. And when uh, we were there, we um, worked our way through a book called The Working Brain, which was Alexander Luria's uh, first presentation of how he developed neuropsychology. Absolutely fell in love with it and have been in love with it ever since. What goes on in the brain that creates behavior? Um, I think most psychological theories are inaccurate because they're based in cognition and you're already made before you think. Hmm. And so in the last few years, I've been really burying myself in uh, the autonomic nervous system, uh, the vagus nerves, uh, fight or flight and freeze those systems. All of those are pre-verbal. Mm -hmm. They have no cognition. Mm -hmm. And they make your decisions for you. And then you think and you think you did it. So that's kind of where up, up to where I'm at. Um, I've had uh, interchanges with my licensing board because I don't have very good boundaries. Mm. And so <laughs> if I want to love somebody, I love them. If I want to say fuck, I say fuck. And uh, that's essentially what I got in trouble for. Okay. And the board considered me almost incorrigible there at the end. And the universe was saying, look, this is what we had to do to get you out of this. It's too small for you. Mm -hmm. And so the last uh, year has been helping me now grow to my full, full height, which is 
uh, I may not look like it, but I'm infinite. <laughs> and it's like, do any of us look like it? No, well, depends on how how defocused your eyes are and how many colors you can see. And it's like if you look at somebody and then you just go, whoa, then you see the divine there that's all around them. And this little, little teeny piece of them is a physical body that acts like it's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it navigates this dimension, right? So it appears. <laughs> Well, that's what you studied for most of your career. Yeah. And and what I learned most of all is that we're absolutely full of shit. Okay. So our more. perceptions of ourselves couldn't be farther from the truth. So and what we're most sure of is that the world is awful and that we're awful. Uh-huh. That I we're like small, it. ineffective, helpless, we have limitations. That's horseshit. Uh-huh. So. so would you say that most of your career helping others has been in teaching them in more ways than one how infinite they are? No. <laughs> okay. Or how empowered they are? Maybe um, it started there? So, so the, the universe has always used me, which means that I don't know what's going on a lot of the time. Um, if I look back, I go, oh. Well, this stuff has been coming through me for a long time, uh-huh. but I sure as hell didn't know it. Of course. Uh, and I really have believed in my incompetence most of my life. Okay. So. Where does that stem from? <clears throat> being a human being. Okay. We, but, we train everyone to be incompetent. Otherwise, we can't sell you a new car. Okay. Dessert, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, but you wouldn't say that that came from role modeling or how you were raised or um, well, if I tell you where it comes from, the system that I used to tell you is inaccurate. Okay. So cause and effect, completely an artifact. Okay. The universe, as close as I can tell, doesn't run on cause and effect. Well, no, it doesn't. So I mean, if we're talking about the spiritual concept, Of course, I get what you're getting at, but I was talking about, you know, previous to this, you've been, for the most part, what I would consider a psychologist. So (laughs) (laughs) I was mostly talking about the mind here. Yeah. So um, uh, mind has its ideas about how things happen. Yes. If you give me a mind... it, it lands in a place that's fairly soft. And so I've always been gentle in the way that I did psychology. I've never uh, felt like I was a psychologist. I mean, that's a bit of a pretension that's cute, but not very helpful. Um, so I, I, I tried to be the best um, uh, educator for how minds uh, are uh, the result of something going on in brains. So the difference between mind and brain is um, significant enough to, to be helpful for people. So they're having a learning issue or they're having a, an issue adapting to life. Uh, having a bridge, which is essentially addressing mind and saying, look, if you think about it this way, it'll get you closer to reality. And I'd say that that's probably most of what I've done as a psychologist. 
has helped to validate or helped confirm or helped educate mm-hmm. more than anything. Yep. And given compassion. Yeah. A lot of compassion, it sounds like. And, and so to, I, I've, I, I learned early on, for, first thing I learned is, is my body was as hard as a rock. And today I do uh, rolfing every other week and cranial sacral therapy every other the in-between weeks. And it's to be closer to where my body is because the body's still carrying trauma of when I was uh, abandoned as a child, uh, of just carrying a bunch of bumps that my parents carried. Yes. And and so all of that's still physically in me. And in order for me to be truly loving, um, I need to address my physical self because I'll get stuck in, in physical places that prevent me from having my heart open. Okay. Tell me more about that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, <sighs> So I have really excellent care providers. I have uh, Cindy Cummins, who's a um, polarity therapist and cranial sacral therapist, just flat out dedicated to her trade. And I have um, Joaquin Cretton, who is a rolfer. These are the best people in the city. Hmm. And they really take good care of my body. Um, and what does that do for anyone who's listening or watching? So what if, you know, you don't know a lot about neuropsychology or you don't know enough about rolfing? What, what is, what is, um, could you tell us kind of a little bit more about so, what? So, so let's step it back a frame. Okay. So it's um, human beings normally go for specific information. Information is a tiny frame. Your personality is about this big in your brain. <laughs> That's who you are. Yeah. And um, so what we're what we're attempting to do is to widen our frame. Well, this is way bigger than that. Uh-huh. This this is huge and it has the whole landscape of your history. Yes. Everything you've ever done, everything your parents did, their parents for for generation after generation, it's here. Mm-hmm. And and if it's here like that, so your heart's open, it's accessible to you. That's what cranial sacral and rolfing does. That's the short version. Okay. Okay. So rolfing is a technique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've never, I've never experienced it myself, but I'm told that it's similar to it's. it's essentially stretching and moving your body. Yeah, like yes. myofascial release yes. is similar. Okay. Uh, rolfing is a, a little, um, it's quicker because it's less patient. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as such, you are able to encounter your pain, but the, the object with it is to take you to the pain, introduce you to it, and then listen. Okay. And um, I find the, the listening is um, more like in my face with rolfing than with like with myofascial release or Feldenkrais or you know, those are those are softer ways of doing it. Okay. And I'm ready. And so when you're ready, then you, you don't need to be quite as gentle. If you want to be more gentle, uh, cranial sacral is about the most gentle thing ever. Yeah. 
Yes, I've experienced that. So what are you learning? Uh, what a question. Holy shit. Uh, you thought I was going to be easy on you? I thought you said you were ready. <laughs> well, well, what happens is you ask a question and then they, they open the file. Uh, so it's like standing under a waterfall. Uh-huh. Um, uh, no, I meant what are you learning about yourself? That's it. That's okay. what I was showing you. Okay, okay. Um, so let, let's see if we can pick a little uh, bits and pieces out of it. Um, so, so the first thing I notice is I'm, I'm going to be okay if I die. I'm 73. Uh -huh. So I'm on the last, you know, two or three decades of my life. I'm going to be okay if I die. Um, and there's a lot of guarding. So the, the neurologic system is only designed to keep you from dying. Uh-huh. It's not designed for trauma. It's not designed for global warming. It's not designed for getting your feelings hurt or your heart broken. Uh-huh. And yet it's activated with all of those things. Yes. But it's designed to keep you from dying. So if you're clear that no matter how many times you get your heart broken, it's not going to kill you. Now you have a little different attitude. So I get it to... It feels like you maybe are going to die. <laughs> well, of course, because your mind has to tell you a story based on what the neurology is doing. But the mind doesn't know what the neurology is doing. What about the emotion? Uh, emotion is about 70% mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, the body doesn't need any help to do an emotion. Mm-hmm. It comes on, it's a wave, it flows through the system, and it has its own rhythm, and it takes its time. And like any wave, it goes into the sand and disappears. Every one of your emotions is like that. But if you're thinking, well, that's going on, oh, shit, you know, because you can do that for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're learning really great things that yep. you're ready to hear and you have come to a place where you are accepting that you're going to die which is unlike the rest of most of the world right <laughs> you're all fighting fighting to live yeah like it was a big especially deal. during covid yeah. and so you're learning these things and then you also have shifted your career, you retired, yep. you've moved into a more spiritual direction, not to say that you weren't spiritual maybe before that, but you certainly are embodying more of a spiritual advisor or a spiritual therapist. Or, yep. Yeah, I would consider you a spiritual therapist more than anything. So tell me more about how that evolved. So... How did that evolve for you? Have yeah, you always um, been psychic? Um, 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 so probably yes. Uh huh. Um, so one Good of my <laughs> one of my earliest memories is having uh, I'm, I'm about five years of age, and the light floods the room, and God says to me, "You're special." It's like whoa, I never felt special, but that just that's one of the little things that happens, and and so. I go to graduate school and I go off and do a continuing education on death and dying. And uh, S Stephen Levine speaks and then Ram Dass speaks. And when Ram Dass is done speaking, I was gone for most of two weeks. Um, and when I came back, I was able to speak out of the other and touch people and move them and 
you know. So so I've had things like that happen to me my you my met whole life. Peter Levine and Ram Das? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. What an incredible experience. So what do you mean you were gone for two weeks? Um I didn't need to be here anymore. I met God and um I'm you know, I was married, had a dog and and it was a decision that whether you come or go, you can go. I mean, I was done. So you left your body? Sort of. Or you were disassociating? Or? Um, oh, I'm, I mean, if you use psychological terms, it seems completely pathological. It does, but, you know, you come from that background, so yeah. you can't completely disown it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I was sort Sleepwalking? of... Sleepwalking? Euphorically psychotic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, everything was just bliss. Okay. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> so where were you? Yeah. In the, yeah. what state were you in during yeah. those two weeks? I, so I, everything shifted for you. Yes. And I've had a bunch of times where that's happened throughout my life. I've done psychedelics and... I learned with psychedelics that they just make me more loving, uh -huh. and all of the hallucinations are cute, but uh -huh. they just open my heart, and it doesn't make any difference whether I do LSD or ayahuasca or, you know, Rafe or whatever it is. It just makes me lovey. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, good segue into love, right? Mm. So... Tell me more about love. How do we love? How does that come about? It's a really sweet question. So, so first thing I notice is that I'm just flooded. I, I, my, I want to cry, and um, I, I just I have softness. Um, a how-to is uh, uh, it elevates you to a point of observer, um, and my system automatically buried me in it. So first answer was yes. How do you love? Yes. There's nobody that doesn't know love because it's designed into your neurology. It is below the system that does the autonomic system. It's underneath it. It's right in your flesh. And <clears throat> if, you, if you had a really nice early conditioning where uh, when you came into the world, they were ecstatic and they looked and they went, holy fucking shit, it's so amazing to have you here. This is the way the universe thinks about you all the time. Yeah. Every day, every minute, doesn't make any difference. You can't fuck it up. Yeah. So, so um, if we go there, if we go, well, let, let's have you join us in the universe and let's just celebrate how good it is to have you here. And, and you can tell that's a loop inside of you that brings the best of you out. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't need to know anything more than that. It's not complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, m most of what we know is what's not love. Mm-hmm. And we, we know better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean you and I know better. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you um, I, I don't know. 
What do you mean you so don't know? So if you assume, and so the, the, this is the latest thing that the, the universe has been giving me, is stop being so damned arrogant. You don't think that the world can be transformed? Fuck you. It can be. Okay. And it's like, um, I really like being arrogant. <laughs> Well, your ego really likes to be arrogant. Well, I mean, there's something, there's something that's below ego that wants you to dominate everything. Hmm. And that's what arrogance is about. And, and at, at a level of, you know, if you're going to fight some agency for your little space, you know, um, you want to dominate. You don't want to be a pussy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So that's in there. That's the physiology underneath arrogance. And then it gets all locked up in the way you think, which makes a nice mess. Mm -hmm. So the universe has been telling you the message, stop being so arrogant. The world can change. You can change. You can the, impact the not world. Not only can it, it is. Oh, so I agree. It's in the process of going through the most remarkable transformation ever. And it's and we're sitting on this little edge. If it goes this way, the human race goes extinct. I know. And and we deserve that. I know. I mean, we earned it. Yes, we have. <laughs> and if it We've goes, been working real hard towards that direction. <laughs> if it goes this way, all of our paradigms are out the window. Whatever we thought was true will be over, and what they give us in its place will take our breath away every day. So how do you know that? Um, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's... Um, so my is it an inner knowing? Well, my verification surface uh, systems are all based on stuff that's too small, and so when I go in to get a verification, they go, "We're not going to do that." Okay. <laughs> we said it was true. Are you good with that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when you're listening to this information for anybody who's watching or, or listening, uh -huh. when you're receiving this information, where does it come from and how do you hear it? And how do you tap into that? So let's, let me step back a frame again. Okay. Um, nothing that I do that everybody isn't designed to do. Of course. And um, when you start tuning into it might start being auditory or tactile. Um, it, it may be um, like through some kind of a vehicle like tarot cards or I'm a psychologist. Uh, we use Rorschach cards. Uh -huh. Same thing. Okay. <laughs> so, it, I mean. It's a means for communication. Yeah. So you begin with where you're at mm -hmm. and everybody is channeling all the time okay mm -hmm. so if you if you shut down the chatter which is mostly uh, thinking you know can we tell stories we have justifications try to be defensive you know all of those idea stuff there that's the noise in your head and you you go shh sweetheart sweetheart shh and and then you it's Maybe auditory, maybe physical. You may get images. Um, you, you may start hallucinating. And so what happens for you? Um, I have all of those going on at the same time. Including the hallucinations? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. 
Yeah. So, you know, if, if you ask me, what are you hallucinating? Then all of a sudden the room's full of angels and there's colors and auras and, and there's a bunch of spirits that have been here before. The place is just packed. Well, I didn't know that before I tested it with a question. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not required to know everything I know. Uh-huh. Okay. So we should have cleared the energy of the room before we started. Oh, Either that I'm, or they're I'm all your guides. It. Uh, it's a party. <laughs> what do I care? <laughs> so when you receive the information, do you receive it inside? Um, so do you have an inside and an outside? Huh. So it, we only have what's between here. Uh-huh. So the minute sensory information hits, it's mapped. As soon as it's mapped, it's all indoors. There's no outdoors. Okay. You try and walk down the street and just be outdoors, and you'll probably fall and break your neck. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we, we just are an indoors kind of thing. Uh-huh. And so the whole universe exists between your ears, and it's bigger than the actual universe. universe. Mm-hmm. So how did you stumble upon making this your, I guess it wasn't, it was a conscious decision, but how did you get into what it is that you're doing? So now you have been meditating. I saw uh -huh. meditating regularly with a group. So I've been doing group meditation since the early 90s. Uh, in the beginning, we uh, did one week uh, where we would go out in nature, and then we'd go one week where we would sit together. We'd go back and forth every two weeks. And we I've been doing that every two-week schedule since the early 90s, and mostly with the same people. And so by now, <clears throat> early on, I discovered I don't do meditation like anybody else. Uh -huh. So they'd get all these great images, and they'd have these archetypes and, you know, this amazing stuff going on. <laughs> I get nothing. I'm just there and these uh, bunch of images going through my head. And so I would sit down at the end of a meditation session, write a bit of poetry. And early on, we discovered that the poetry always included everybody's meditation, whether I'd heard them or not. So now I could write the day before and everyone's meditation will be in the poetry. Uh-huh. So um, that's been going on for a long time. So that built a kind of bridging language in my being that allows me to expand. I really think that uh, human beings are naturally infinite and simply finding a, a concept that allows your mind to tolerate that um, allows you to get close to the divine. And when you get close to the divine, you, you find out what a precious entity you are in the universe. Mm -hmm. And how loved you are. Yeah, because that, that, that awareness is a loving awareness. And you talk about inside and outside, well, it doesn't make any sense because it's, there's just everywhere. Oh, I agree. So, I, I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about. I'm just not making the assumption that everybody else is understanding. And so I don't think that everybody else understands psychic abilities or intuitive gifts, right? So I'd I like, to, dismiss, that, yeah, like I, to demystify that for them. I, I, I don't think I understand them either. Mm. And so um, we just make the best of it. So. <laughs> 
Well, it sounds like intuitively you have a sense of what they are. Well, in the particularly in the last so so there's something called waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Had multiple awakenings. It sounds like and and. Uh, um, you have like gurus who s- appear to spend all of their time awake, mm-hmm. um, and and it's they they look like they're in a state of bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to guess, you know, um, but I've had multiple times where I've had awakening experiences, so that now probably throughout the day. Um, Anytime the universe tasks me, they'll wake me up. And in between that, um, I'm interested in how a human being can be more functional. <laughs> so, so I <laughs> so go there's back downtime. and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like um, you, you have to even be careful about how you characterize it because I'm, I've offered as a complete and total sacrifice of myself my downtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't think it serves. I'm I'm ready to 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 um, become a living sacrifice. What so do you that, mean by that? So that everything I do is passionately committed to the unfolding of the universe. Hmm. And you're just a vessel for well, creation. I, I'm just something that got tickled. I'm the result of a tickle. And, and it's like the universe has such tender hands. Were you always tickled? Um, <laughs> no, I spent most of my life being ticklish. <laughs> Just really reactive. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you look at the last maybe decade, decade and a half, uh, where I've learned to be a better lover, a better um, dad, a better friend, a better therapist, whatever the hell that is, Um uh, um, I, I call myself a coach now, yes. now that I've retired. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, there's less of what you might call ego functioning, although I'm, I, I love ego. I think it's really, really sweet. It's just really, really tiny. So you want to not task it with doing more than it can do. <clears throat> so... How do you go about telling your ego or having your ego do very little or get out of your way? Well, um, so so as you spend more time awake, sounds arrogant. You should like that. <laughs> um, you 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 change relationship with your thinking. So. Um, ego's favorite tool is thought, mm-hmm. and and so you you learn to see holiness in all of your thinking. And it doesn't make any difference what the content of the thought is. It's driven by holiness because you're a naturally holy entity. Okay, so that sounds a little religious to me. So can you? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, about as, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm nicely steeped in Christianity. I love Buddhism. I think Hinduism is the ultimate religion. Hmm. Um, and every religion at the point where it has dogma is dead. It died. So if you get to dogma in any religion, yeah, the dog ate your homework. <laughs> okay. 
So, <laughs> back to how we get, you know, we recognize holiness in everything that we do. How do we get to that, that space? If, if you don't have time to meditate all day or... Uh, most people's practices are maybe not every other week to be out in the garden and then meditate with people from mm. the early 90s until now. So, so, so you, it sounds you, like it's been a yeah, journey it's, for it's, you. It's probably to, to put a W in front of your H. A Holiness. W, w in front of my, my H? Yeah, W-H-O-L-L-Y. <laughs> Okay. It's about so, it's about wholeness. Okay. And wholeness is about being not divided. W H O L E. We claim. I thought you meant holy, like. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, being more whole so and complete. We think we're divided, and that's. Uh, an artifact of thinking, but it's not possible. Uh, when did you stop using the air that we all use on this planet? Uh-huh. When did you stop using the water that we all use, the dirt, yeah. the, the mysocomial mat that locks all living things? When did you stop being part of that? Mm -hmm. It literally grows into your body. It's growing in your gut. Um, when did you stop being part of that vital material that we call black energy that ties the whole universe together? You, you cannot be out of it. It's not possible. So, but you can think you are. You can think, oh, I'm too busy to meditate. Well, fuck you. <laughs> it's not true. So what you're saying is we're in interconnected. Yes, and, and so intimately so that when you're awake, you can feel people moving around in China. You know, you can feel what's going on on, on Andromeda. You can feel it all. It's, this is a little representation of the whole universe. Mm -hmm. You're an everything holograph. Mm -hmm. Well, I would agree. <laughs> so you have spent most of your life evolving like we all have mm -hmm. into a better version of yourself hope so <laughs> and becoming more loving a more loving father a more loving husband a more loving friend was there something that significantly shifted all of this for you or would you just say it was a gradual evolution into who you want to be so i have I have my favorite stories about things. Um, my guess is if you get behind the curtain and watch it all unfold, it's part of a dynamic plan that the universe is working on. Um, I think we were designed to have constant improvement in adaptation so that we could evolve. That, and every entity that's here on this planet looks like that to me. I would agree. And so at a level where I think about things, I go, well, here they gave me a teacher. Here they, you know, when I was uh, adopted at nine months of age, I was taken out of a home where my mom was embarrassed by me because I was the second child that she had out of wedlock by my dad. And when I found her in the 90s after I'd had kids, she wouldn't even tell me I anything about my dad 
Um, when I'm 72 years old, I'm on 23 and me and I find my dad and I get to see him. And then I was able to sort of put all of that together. Um, I, I look at these things and I go, this is a touched life. Nobody has a life like this. I've had teachers that showed up. I had people who loved me that took care of me. I, I was adopted into a, a, a household where my mom was like the most loving human being you ever met. Um, and I've just been touched my whole life. That's a kind of a filter. I'm responsible for that. But but that's the way that I wear it. Uh-huh. So would you say that there was anything that made you become better at what you do? Is there a, a, a deeper sense of knowing how to become a so, better lover, better um, friend, better? So somewhere about 20 years ago, I discovered a teacher by the name of Jerry Stocking. <clears throat> Jerry Stocking was a product of EST, and then he was a product of NLP, and then he was a product of hypnosis. And he uh, taught seminars where you devastatingly take apart your personality and find out how you're standing in the way of waking up. And so I have been with him ever since. Once a week, Tuesday morning, 90-minute call. What he's working on now is um, what he calls dream state, which is what would happen if your personality is fully dissolved and there's nothing in the way you think or perceive things that's substantial. You're simply flow. So and, and you watch him. I watch him on the call. By the beginning of the call to the end of the call, he's already involved, evolved right in front of my eyes. He's done something that you shouldn't be able to do. So that's a huge influence. Okay. And so then they give me, I like, there was a social worker that I worked with for, you know, two or three years, just a guy who just didn't take reality the way it came, and he developed a way of dealing with trauma, called rapid resolution therapy. And so I, I got completely involved with that, and he, he invited me to bring my daughter, who's a hairdresser. And we That's did that. That's how I know you. Yep. <laughs> and we did that together. It's like, so these are just amazing gifts. And, and, each one of them, the farther along I've gotten, the more, the bigger my yes has gotten. What do you mean by that? So um, normally if they give you something new, part of you is going, I can't, do, how do they do that? I don't see how that's done. I don't see myself doing it. Um, and <clears throat> I, I now do something different. I still have all of that, but I go, I'm going to go as far in this as I can go, and I'm go, going to go with everything I can muster. And so that has expanded my yes. So I now have, so, so what, what sits in front of you here is a really big yes to the universe. So looks like something special, and it is. But we're all, and I, I think just being with me, your yes will get closer. You'll feel it. Mm -hmm. You'll walk out of here going, damn. <laughs> and so I, I think that's contagious. I think that's what's going on. There's a, there's a quantum shift going on to create a bigger yes. 
Mm-hmm. And we're just part of it, and it's nothing special. The yes is not special? <laughs> no, nah, we make things special so that there can be a difference between here and here. It's nicest to let go of all differences. Okay. Hmm. So how can we better love ourselves? Um, we're not very accurate at seeing ourselves. So how can we become more accurate at seeing ourselves? <laughs> That's a terrible question. <laughs> I um, love your honesty. Well, so, so our, our, our accountant, not a nice person, um, has learned how to find out what's wrong with us. In other words, it's taken on an accounting system that is just bogus, it's inaccurate. Um, so y- you, you begin with stillness because you can't begin with a procedure. You, you can't begin with an algorithm, even though your head will tell you, well, there's got to be an algorithm. I mean, there's got to be steps to this. And if you did this and you did that and you had this discipline, sorry, you start with silence. And, and then we, we all have some sort of sense of connection to something. Um, and if you have any kind of spiritual connection at all, you invite the best of it to be with you. And, and you have that share you, with you your silence. And then as the silence stays with you long enough, you then ask for clarity. Just see the world the way it is. And it, it is just behavior, no judgment. Once you've got a judgment applied to something, you've screwed with it. <laughs> so you don't believe in judgment? Well, if you want to stop your car, you put your foot on the brakes. Then it's good judgment. That's what judgment does. Yeah. It stops you from loving. You can't love and judge at the same time. Uh-huh. So you wouldn't argue that judgment is... Just another form of having good discernment. <laughs> well, so we could put them on a spectrum. Um, by the time you get to judgment, you're trying to fix something. Okay. So Before, discernment's different for you. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell the difference between yellow and red. That's a discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't come with, you know, this is good and that's bad. Bad. So you can tell when you take it out a little bit farther, it gets to be something that doesn't serve you very well. Okay. And yet it's a natural process. We have natural discernment. Mm-hmm. I, I try not to walk into doors, you know. Right. Okay. <laughs> so how can we release our stranglehold on judgment? Stop strangling it. It's very sweet. <laughs> I, I think, I think. I mean, wouldn't you agree that the world is rather divided at this current moment? Well, the world is certainly good at pretending to be divided. Okay, yes. Uh, and and all, like all of the things that we do, we do by pretense. Um, <clears throat> if you're not in pretense, then you're in unity. And they both happen in your um, perceptions, your awareness at the same time. And it's just a matter of what caught your attention. Oh, there you are. Ah. 
So you have this life, you're living in Southeast Portland, you're in retirement, you're a spiritual coach, you've recently become a grandfather. Yep. Um, do you have any other grandchildren? Nope. Okay. First one. First one. And <clears throat> and is that teaching you lesson any lessons on love? So this is about ninety or ninety five percent of where uh, spirit is teaching me. Okay. Yeah. The universe says, okay, um, in order for us to evolve, we would like for you to put your your total being on the line. And so this human being is here to be connected through you to us so that what she naturally got is developed before she ever thinks. So that's my job. Are you enjoying it? Um, it's overwhelming. And What's overwhelming it, about it? Because uh, I couldn't be adequate to the job. I just can't. So every day I have to change at least at one one hundredth the level that she's changing, and it pushes the shit out of me to keep up with her. Hmm. And so we think of infants, they're helpless. Well, fuck you. It's what nonsense. What arrogance. Mm -hmm. It's like I never get the sense that she's helpless. Uh-huh. And she's has the capacity to process things that I never learned. And so every day I keep my attention on her as much as I can. It's exhausting because I've never used my attention that way before. Huh. It's, it's intense. It wears me out. I need a nap. <laughs> she takes a nap. I take a nap. Um, and, and I go, um, what a fucking gift. I mean, what an amazing gift to her. It's like, you know, she's just doing what she does. Uh-huh. Would you agree that that generation is coming in um, with less mm, less provocation to uh, be hung up on so much of... I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know they gave me her. And I know that... I watch my daughter be transform, transformed by her. She's just a, a, a mature woman all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. She's a mama bear. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've never seen her like this. I mean, she just got mature all of a sudden. And something happened in her that's psychically different, uh, spiritually different, mm -hmm. being a mom. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is my kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. <laughs> well, you had something to do with it. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, I've always been a piece of a process. Uh-huh. So you were in a different place, obviously, when you had your daughter. Yes. Yep. Than you are now. Way different. Yeah. And so is that, can you expand more on that? Well, so I have so much more to offer my granddaughter than I offered my daughter, which doesn't seem fair to me. But I watch her watch me. And when I say to her, look, um, I don't care what happens to her in the world. I will always love her and be there for her. Then my daughter does this little 
kind of neurological thing where her system settles down and she just goes about her business. So I can give that back. Were you not able to give that to your daughter? I really loved my kids, you know, and I, I you know, uh, with my son, my, my oldest, I, I was so angry, waking me up in the middle of the night and, you know, having to get up. And then I, I, I went, oh, shit, that's what I experienced. I'm not doing that with him. And at that point, I shifted that. And from then on, I just relaxed and did whatever they needed, held them, took care of them, loved them. Um, and as they got a little older, then I disengaged and went about my work. <clears throat> I probably wouldn't do that today. Why not? Um, because I could have paid more attention to them, and I'd have been a better person for it. And so would they. I mean, they're great kids. They're they're bright and funny, and they're just wonderful human beings. Mm -hmm. How old's your granddaughter now? She is coming up on six months. Okay, so this is a new adventure for you. Yep. And you spend quite a lot of time with her. So last week it was five days we had her there for at least part of the day. And what is she teaching you about love? Um, that whatever it is, it's effortless. She doesn't work at it. It's just natural for her. She loves laughing and smiling just because it it's wraps everybody around her finger. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just fun for her. Yeah. It's fun for you, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is there any other thing that you would like to speak to when it comes to love that maybe we're getting wrong? Um, so... I'm assuming if someone's listening to this, that they're interested. Um, <laughs> well, let's hope so. <clears throat> I mean, um, and so if you are interested, love already has taken a hold of you. Um, then if, if the next thing you do is you go, um, I need to do something or I want to do something, Please be very, very gentle with that with yourself because it's trying too hard that makes you think that you have to do it. It's as if there was some very loving being standing behind you that had your best interest in mind and has a way higher opinion of you than you do of yourself. And you can lean back into them, have them put their arms around you, and then know just that fast. That stops your mind from telling you you got to do 9,000 things before you get there. Just not true. That's good advice. Some people will call that your life guide. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you've never had that experience, make it up. <laughs> Well, some people would say that your intuitive gifts are your imagination. Could be. Well, it is. It's your pineal gland, which is your imagination. Hmm. Yeah. 
when you when you let's say you go to a program to learn how to do psychic readings and use your clairvoyance or to enhance the ability to be able to see the images that you say are so easy for you to recall or to tap into so to speak um, that's essentially what you're taught. You're taught to bring your imagination back because the longer that you're here on this planet, the harder it is for you. You've been socially conditioned to believe that there is no magic. It doesn't happen that way. You have no control. You know, mm -hmm. all of these different messages that we're, we're taught over and over and over again or that we hear culturally or through religion or socially or through our parenting or however we receive the information. So, um, you know, using your pineal gland or your imagination, so to mm -hmm. speak, is using your intuitive gifts. Your intuitive gifts are much more subtle, wouldn't you agree, than your sense of smell or your sense of regular hearing or your sense of uh, huh. the ability to see. They're very soft. They're softer. And so people dismiss them mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. That's at least what I've come to find is that we're already using our psychic abilities in some ways, especially if we come from a background of trauma. Mm. It's helped us navigate sensitive situations if we were feeling unsafe. Mm. It's the way of the divine kind of stepping in and saying, here, this way, or, you know, here, this is what happened here. Um, and you have an intuitive sense of knowing, right? Or an intuitive so sense of feeling. I, I think what you're describing is learning to have faith. Hmm. So you, everybody has an intuition. Um, you, you may not know it as a fairy godmother um, or as the presence of uh, Mother Mary or Christ or, you know, Vishnu, whatever. But... As you lean into it and come to depend on it, you have faith. And the faith is an inside and outside kind of faith. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. And there's some trust involved too, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Establishing some trust in what you see or what you receive or what you're... Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was what you were asking about. That if you're looking for, for places in me that shifted, at some point... I stopped questioning what was going on with me. Aha. Uh -huh. And it's like, I couldn't tell you what that mechanism was. I can just tell you that when it's gone, th there's a floodgate that opens and it's on all the time. And it never goes away. You can't make it go away. And it's like, if you want life to feel calm and quiet, um, it's a way of perceiving how well you're doing in the rapids. <laughs> and it's like, well, these are my rapids. I've got tons and tons of sensory data going into me, and it's about everything, and it's about nothing in particular, and I'm okay. In fact, I'm better than okay. This is cool shit. <laughs> and do you think there's a matter of perspective just based upon your age? I think that my granddaughter will get it long before well I that's what i was die. inferring yeah. earlier yep. yeah yep and i don't know you know she may just off me at some point and be a nasty little brat 
<laughs> and if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. Not my job. Hmm. So for anyone who's listening or watching that is really in a difficult place in their life, you spent a lot of time listening to other people yep. and helping them with their lives. A lot, a lot of time. And you're still doing that. And so what's your best advice for learning how to love all of the parts of you? So, so if you were sitting with me, the first thing I would look for is softness and openness. Because if you can conjure that, I promise you whatever you're dealing with, you'll make it through. Because the universe desperately wants to help you. It's what cooks. Mm -hmm. And so whatever your perception of God is, if it's you know some scientific thing or if it's some magical spiritual thing, it's the same mechanism in terms of what's between your ears. And so if there's some things that you're not proud of or some things that you feel shame about or some guilt about it, um, is there something that you recommend to do other than open your heart? Well, I can tell you the way I think of those things. Okay. I think those are like sequins on a gown. They're what make you beautiful. Huh. If, if you've carried shame and guilt and disappointment and mistrust of yourself those things are gorgeous they're full of holiness and if you get a holy person to sit with you they will watch you and be in awe of you in all the places that you think you're a piece of shit <laughs> that's just fun <laughs> okay so there isn't any tools or strategy other than just really, truly staying open in your heart space. So I think tools and strategies are wonderful. They're like little stepping stones. They're like Hansel and Gretel's little breadcrumbs. Bread Just take whatever shows up because the universe will leave you a little toolkit. And that's what you're able to do right now. Be proud of that. So just listening and having more awareness being in a place of receptivity or receiving. And imagine that we did something today, that we left part of the toolkit. So if you listen today, it's there. And it may be some stupid little petty thing, some tiny, almost a nothing. If you acknowledge that you got it today, it will grow like a seed. I would agree. Okay. That's good advice. I like that. Hmm. Let me check my questions and see if there's anything else I wanted to ask I'll you. Make sure we didn't get off script. <laughs> oh, no. No. I'm happy to get off script. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't anything. Oh, here's a good one. When you're 90 years old, what would you want to have stood for, known, or have given? So at the end of your life. Hmm. So I'm 73. Mm -hmm. So uh, do the math here. Mm -hmm. 17 years. Um, so my daughter, my granddaughter will be 17. Yes, she will. Um, that's, I, I, I just 
want to have a relationship with her where she trusts me to have this kind of a conversation. If I didn't, can do that, then all the rest of it is gravy. So it's just all about your granddaughter at this point in your life. Well, that's what they gave me. So, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty all-consuming. So I'll just assume that that's going to happen. And if it's something else, well, wake me up when I get there. <laughs> so when you say that's what they gave me, what do you mean by that? Um, I perceive myself as a product of the universe unfolding. So if it's in my perceptions, they're up to that. So you feel like your granddaughter was a gift for your evolutionary process? Yeah. Don't you think that's kind of a small word? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like... I, not, I don't mean to yeah, yeah, not be only, inarticulate. <laughs> well, no. I mean, when you say it, I go, oh, my God, it's so much more than that. And it is that. And that's all... It's all wrapped up in that. But, but it's like... Holy fucking shit. They're willing to do this. My, my daughter was surprised mm -hmm. by having a baby. Mm -hmm. I was surprised because mm -hmm. now I have a line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you didn't consider yourself having a line before? Nah. I didn't think I was even going to have kids until my wife surprised me. Okay. So surprises <laughs> run in your family. Yes. And it's been a good surprise. It's been a phenomenal surprise. Mm -hmm. A life-changing surprise. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, it, and you go, okay, so I had a condition, and the universe said, you can't see how beautiful the world is unless we give you this condition. And then I go, oh, so the whole world was like that the whole time? <laughs> it's like, oops. <laughs> so it's brought more beauty. Yep. Would you agree that you love a grandchild differently than you love a child? And what do you think is about that? Is it because you're in a different place? Is it because they're so not from who, you directly? Who loves is different. So in, ah. when, when you raise your kids, you are a particular who. Uh-huh. Tomorrow, I won't be the hoot Same that's who. here today. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, it's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> they got who you were then. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yep. And she receives who you are now and uh -huh. all the work in between. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and then I revisit my children and I think um, I can love them so much more. And so then I, I open to that possibility. So I'm now starting to spend a little bit more time with my youngest and going and doing things with him and doing some projects with my oldest. And yeah. So it just continues to expand your relationship to love. Yeah, they keep raising the bar. <laughs> so would you consider yourself the most loving you could be? Nah, goodness, no. No, 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 no. Are you the most loving that you could be with yourself? Um, nah. <laughs> Is nope. it easier for you to be loving with others? Um, it looks like that. I don't know that that's true. 
because I, I really have learned to embrace what a beautiful human being I am. And I, that's pretty new. How new? Maybe, well, to the degree it's new today. I mean, it's new, more so than yesterday, and every day it grows a little bit. It's like I'm sitting on the call with my teacher this morning, and I'm watching him unclothe himself and let go of his nakedness. And I go, oh, I can do that. <laughs> I wonder what it will look like as I do it. Okay. So would you agree that your ability to love has also grown just based upon the teacher's too, that you've sure. experienced. Yeah. 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 And being able to access other people's ability for more compassion or more love. Yeah. What happens is we, we loop with each other. We have these neat little mirror neurons and I can feel what you feel. I can see beyond what you know. And my insides make your insides a playground. <laughs> So, what do you mean by that? Um, we have infinite gifts to give each other. And most of them are in the form of a little pat on the butt or a kiss on the face, you know, just gentle little sweet things. But our insides are a playground. Yeah, well, think that the outside, this face, mm -hmm. represents uh, a bunch of work. <laughs> Mostly. I mean, you can see the, the, the tensions in how a face develops. It, it's your history. Uh-huh. Um, and your, the, the insides of your mind where all your neurology is isn't marked by the narrowness that's in your face. So as our insides play with each other, there's way less limitation. So I'm able to notice things in you, like some little subtle thing will shift. And it's in there. Well, your face didn't know that. But your whole being knew it. Through these mirror ne neutrons? Mirror neurons. Neurons. Yeah. Okay. So we're mirroring each other. Yep. And it's a mirror with a life. Okay. It's like the one that says, how beautiful are you? <laughs> Is it similar to uh, our energy overlapping? Um, much more precise because the energy is the a general flow. It comes in waves. Mm -hmm. But um, neurons each have a job to do. And it's as if we're whistling while we work. Okay. So different than just giving you a hug. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. oh, hugs are nice. Hugs are nice. And you could say also bring about a playground of feelings. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's a nice place to stop. Yep, I think we did it. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, I appreciate your articulation mm -hmm. of some processes that 
may or may not be familiar to someone who is not as familiar or in a different place in their life. I'm perfectly happy if anybody wants to contact me and ask me more questions. Okay. It just unfolds things. Yes, of course. I can absolutely and will absolutely put your contact information okay. below this. And again, thank you for sharing your heart. Hmm. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I appreciate you. Hmm. And yes, I look forward to more conversations in the future. Okay. Okay. Cool.